Girlfriends, episode number 35, The Art of Letting Go. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? I am back. I am glad to be back. It feels like I went to the moon and back, but really it was just Florida. I pre-recorded last week's episode so you could have fresh content while I was gone. But we've spent the last two weeks traveling as a family. Epic, epic road trip. It was epic in all the ways I expected it to be, both good and bad, Um, but I'm really glad to be back. What we did was we drove in two separate cars because um, we no longer have a vehicle that fits our entire family in it, and so um, we have a Toyota Highlander that some of us could fit in, and then Ambrose's car, which is he's going to be keeping with him at school in Florida. He needed to drive down. So we were driving down in two separate cars, and we first spent... um, three days on Sanibel Island, which we've been to before, which is beautiful. A few of you reached out to me and uh, let me know that you live in that area or that you've enjoyed that area in the past when I was sharing on social media. And it was just as beautiful as we remembered. We stayed in the same place where we had stayed for Christmas years ago. I want to say it was four, five years ago, probably five years ago at Christmas. And it was a lot of fun to just have some downtime as a family before we made the trek to drop off Ambrose at Ave Maria University. And I got a chance to see the school, which was nice. So hot down there. Those of you who live down there, you are crazy. I mean, It was so hot. And Ambrose is going to be running on the cross-country team there. So he's getting a hefty dose of southern summertime heat and humidity and um, some physical challenge to go along with that. So anyway, we got him settled there, spent about a million dollars at the local Walmart, got him all moved into his room, got his bedding and everything he needs for his space there, and didn't cry yet because we were going to be seeing him again. So we were just leaving him there for a few days um, while the rest of us went down and checked out the Florida Keys, which we've never been that far south before. And it was beautiful, really. We really enjoyed Key West. Um, We stayed there for a couple of nights with the rest of the kids. And then uh, my two oldest that were with us got to fly back. They got that privilege because we wanted to come back in one car. And Uh, We drove back up and saw Ambrose one more time before leaving. And I was fine. Truly, I was. He he looked happy. Everything about his situation just seems so perfectly right for where he is in his life right now. He's so happy to be learning there at that Catholic university where he can be himself and can feel um, fully accepted and supported and encouraged in his faith life, which is something he did not experience in public school. So in so many ways, it's such a relief to him and, and then therefore to me for him to be there. So I was actually really good. I braced myself and um, I didn't cry in the moment where we were saying goodbye. But I did for sure <laughs> later that night, especially when he was texting me and saying nice things. And anyway, I I got pretty, pretty teary a couple of different times during the trip. And that's okay. I'm going to be talking a little bit about that. Not that I'm an expert at it by any means, but I've got a few thoughts to share in today's show about 
the art of letting go. And really what I've been thinking is how I'm getting to hate this time of year. <laughs> because it's all about saying goodbye, not just to my big kids who end up going to school. Um, my oldest daughter commutes to college, um, but so she's still here with us year round, but we see her a lot less during the school year. She's working and she's uh, taking classes and she commutes 30 minutes. And so we don't see her nearly as much during the school year as we do in the summertime. And then my next uh, child is my son, Eamon, and he, he goes to a school where he lives and it's about 90 minutes away. So we had that transition last year of getting him settled and saying goodbye to him there, which was different because it's closer and he's able to come home for a weekend and we're able to go see him there. And it's near my parents' place. And anyway, that was kind of like a baby step toward what we did this year, which was leave my child 1500 miles away. <laughs> but not only that, but also um, those of you who have older kids have probably experienced this as well. The idea that we're not just saying goodbye to our kids, but we're saying goodbye to their friends too. Every year at this time, you know, after having a summertime full of people in and out of the house, um, lots of our kids' friends come through here. We grow attached to them and they're going in different directions. My daughter, who's going to be a, a junior in high school this year, has a very close friend who is done with high school and is going to be spending a year volunteering in South America. Well, that was hard to say goodbye to her, this young lady that has been a part of our lives for so long and that we've we've come to know and love deeply and care a lot about. It's just this fall season is so emotional for me now. It didn't used to be. When I was a kid, I loved the fall and I loved the fresh start. And there's still a part of me that appreciates that. I love the start of a new school year, blank page, a fresh start. There's something to be said for that, but there's now this touch of kind of letting go and kind of sadness this time of year that... I am learning to deal with. And so that's what I want to talk about here today. Like I said, I am just beginning this phase of life with having kids leaving the house, and it's certainly not leaving the house permanently. I don't have anybody moving out permanently or getting married or anything like that yet, but I can see it on the horizon, and that is part of what makes this especially challenging, I think. Every stage that we go through as parents is challenging in different ways, but I think that part of the, the challenge in certain transitions, and this is definitely one of them, is that you can see and you can feel and you know how quickly things do change, how really, even though it's a cliche, how much the, you know, the past 10, 20 years went by in a blink of an eye, even though the days felt long, the years were short. So I think it's it's especially challenging to kind of um, handle these kinds of situations emotionally. So I just have three three different points that I want to make about how I'm attempting to do that, even though I'm sometimes a big sobby mess. Um, the first one is what's really helped me, especially with regard to Ambrose, is focusing on the good things and focusing on long-term goals for your child. Now, by that, I mean, you know, it's obviously a form of success for a child to, whether they're leaving the home to get a job or to get married or, you know, whatever the circumstances that they're leaving you or they're going to school, um, whatever that separation is, it's actually a good thing for them. It's actually, even though it's hard for us to kind of let go, it's it's a really good thing to um, focus on what those positive things are for that person, for that child of yours. And there are a lot of things to focus on there. You can focus on, on the good relationships they have with other people, your hopes for what they might accomplish in the future, what they're doing in their studies, what they're doing in their work, what they're doing in their own families, that there's so much good to be appreciated there that 
Um, you know, it, it occurred to me when I was at Ave Maria and we were saying goodbye to Ambrose, I spent a little time there in the chapel, which is a really beautiful chapel in there. And it was, it was very quiet. There weren't any masses or anything going on at that time. And, and what I was really reflecting on was the fact that every great thing that a person has accomplished in this world, they've been able to accomplish because they had, um, a lot of times they've had encouragement and support and they had a good foundation and a good upbringing, especially, you know, people I think of like the great saints in the church. And this isn't always the case, but with our kids, hopefully it is the case that they have a good family. They have a good mom and they have a good dad. They have you. They are supporting them. But then part of that support, part of that sacrificial support that benefits others in the long run, that is a gift to the world, to the church is when we do decide to let go, when we don't fight it, when we allow ourselves to let go of our child and let them go into the world to do the great things that God has in mind for them. So I don't know what God has in mind for Ambrose or for any one of my kids, but I, I do know that he has a plan for their lives. And it's part of my role right now, part of my responsibility as his mom, to recognize that he has new things to do. And that's the next natural stage in his development as a person into the the person that God wants him to be, is me letting go of him, and me not holding him back and me making that sacrifice, which it is a sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. It is hard. I'm not here to tell you that it's easy. Oh, sorry. Sorry, for a minute there, I got distracted because I am hiding in my car to record this because the house is too noisy and the kids found me out here. <laughs> that was Rafe coming and letting me know he needed something. Uh, so what what better reminder do I need than um, that <laughs> for the fact that I still have more work to do as a mom and I can't be wallowing in the fact that I can't be mom to baby or toddler Ambrose anymore and that he's not here in the house and that is a real loss for us, but that there's a lot still left to be done here. Um, Also, the next point I wanted to make was focusing on your success as a parent. What does that mean? Well, what does it mean to be successful as a parent? Like we don't get grades on this stuff. And I know some for some people, it's like getting their kid into a school makes them feel like a success or, or getting their kid to excel in sports or, or whatever it is. Um, but for me, and I think for a lot of people, um, if you pause and think about it, I think it was Dr. James Dobson who once said that a parent's job is to work themselves out of a job. Like if you do your job well as a parent, you're not going to have a job anymore at the end of it. <laughs> That's the definition of success. And um, as hard as that is to deal with in the moment and as we're going about that process of letting go, it helps to remind ourselves that um, this was the goal all along. You know, however bad it might feel to let go of your child and know you're not going to see him for a long while and kind of go through that transition as a family. And And by the way, the whole family feels it. I'm focused on just moms here, but for sure dads do in their own way. Um, my husband's been dealing with it differently than I have. But um, And then the other kids in the family feel it. And that, for me, has been so hard. We had um, Daniel, who's my, my youngest, who's nine years old, uh, came into our bed the last few nights. And just because he was missing his brothers and... There's nothing I can do to make that better, you know. So it's really it's it's important to remember that it's not just a challenge that we're experiencing when we're letting go, um, at whatever stage we are in parenthood of letting go. Because you know what, I'm even speaking to younger parents here, parents of younger children. There's always something that you need to be letting go of your child for because they're 
doing that process of working us out of a job the whole time that, you know, whether it's allowing them to go to kindergarten or, um, you know, letting them go to a, a friend's house after school without you driving them there or whatever form it is, there's always another stage in the process if we're doing it right, where we are called to let go and that that actually is the definition of our success as a parent, that it would be a tragedy if our children never left home, if our children never did anything independently, that we would recognize that as not the ideal, not what God has planned for them. I mean, you know, kids with special needs aside, but even uh, among children with special needs, there are certain um, developments they're able to make and it requires letting go on our part, however painful that is. And it really does require kind of stepping outside of yourself and seeing what, what God might want to do in this child's life, what God might want to accomplish inside of your family life, and what what, what new role he is calling you to play inside of that. Um, you know, that said, I know it's hard to focus on the positives, especially when you're missing your kid, or especially when you're feeling a loss. And I think it's important to allow yourself to experience that loss, that it's important to let yourself feel the feelings. You know, I sure did that. I told you I did cry um, different points during our trip. And I was pretty emotional and kind of stressed in ways that didn't make sense at other points during our trip that I think could only be explained because I was just feeling that impending loss of Ambrose moving away. But you know, there was one night in particular where I got very emotional and I was kind of a big sobby mess. And you know what? In the throes of that, I knew that that was what I needed to do. Uh, Physically, emotionally, spiritually, I needed to do that. And I think many women can relate to that. I can't speak for men, but women have a very basic chemical hormonal need for that kind of release that comes from having a good cry sometimes. And I think it's important to let yourself do that. That doesn't mean you have to do the big, sobby, messy cry thing. It kind of freaked my husband out. And <laughs> and aside here, my husband is like the greatest gift God ever gave me. Okay. I love him like crazy and I appreciate everything about him, except <laughs> he was, and in these situations, he is comically comically bad at comforting me (laughs) when I am a big mess, when I am a big emotional crying, sobbing mess and my face is all puffy and distorted from crying. He doesn't know what to do. And at times outside of the crying episodes, I try to talk with him about it, tell him, you know, what exactly I need and that sometimes I just need to do that. I don't need him to intervene, but he somehow can't help himself. And Honestly, he said it's almost like he read a book on the wrong things to say. <laughs> it's terrible because I know he loves me and I know he was trying to help me in that situation, but it was all wrong, baby. Just stop it. Don't talk to me right now. So anyway, he did allow me to um, be a big crying mess and kind of get over that. And I've been better since that, you know, I think that these are the kinds of things that get easier with time. And the more that we do them, the more naturally I think it will seem um, this kind of going and, and coming back and, um, you know, the kind of the ebb and flow of family life as our family is changing and our kids are older and doing more things outside of the house. But the third thing I wanted to mention that's kind of helping me to get through this is focusing on and opening my heart to what new roles God might be calling me to play right now. That, you know, to get so focused on like, oh, my big boys aren't here anymore. I'm not, I'm not feeding them. I'm not caring for them on a day-to-day basis. Well, 
as I mentioned, that's very much as it should be. And so once you accept that, then maybe kind of reassess where you are in your life right now. Who does need your time and attention? Who do you still have in your home that you're called to care for? And for some of us, if you're an empty nester, that might mean your husband. That might mean focusing and nurturing your marriage. That might mean... um you know, supporting somebody outside of your family, doing some kind of work inside of your your parish or your community or among your friends that's very much needed. So as our roles change, it's okay to recognize that it's painful and it, it's okay to cry and, and feel sad about it. But then I really think we should be focused on the positive things, the new opportunities that get opened up to us. You know, for me, um, especially, you know, I don't have babies in diapers anymore. And it would be real easy for me to just and I do this sometimes when I'm holding a baby, just remember, and it's so sad, you know, they were so little once, and they won't ever be that little again. But um, I have a very different role to play. And I have people who still very much need me in my life and have a right to my time and attention. And um, I need to be focusing on that, that there are new opportunities, there are things that I can do in my life right now that I could not do when I had a bunch of babies and a bunch of little kids in diapers running around that you know, they're, it's recognizing the sadness and the kind of the bittersweetness of change. I think we're, we're good and we're bad at that in varying degrees. Every one of us, we have our own ways of doing that. But just recognizing that there is that, that positive and, and looking for it, looking for what new role God might be calling you to play right now. So what kinds of transitions are you dealing with this fall? What's going on in your world, in your family? Are you seeing kids off to college? Have you already done that? Are you seeing kids get married? I'd love to hear from your perspective because that's what I'm looking at on the horizon here are in a blink. I know I'm going to have kids graduating colleges and um, just beginning life out on their own in a very different, more independent way. Or are you experiencing the transition from uh, toddlers to grade schoolers? Or are you still very much in that newborn preschooler um pre-potty training phase that's overwhelming and what kinds of transitions are you experiencing there that I, I would love to hear from you and share your perspective on a future episode because I think we women are are uniquely gifted at lifting up and encouraging one another by sharing our own experiences because sometimes all you ever want to hear is somebody else say me too or hear somebody else say oh my gosh, yes, I did that. And it stunk so bad. And yet here I am on the other side of it. And it's going to be okay. That sometimes that's all we need. So if you want to send me a voicemail, I would love it. I would love to include, you know, something that you have to share on this topic in a future episode. You can go to daniellebean.com and click on leave voice feedback. You can leave up to 90 seconds of a voicemail there. If you have more to say than that, go ahead and leave a couple of voicemails and I'll put them together for you. Or you can connect with me on Voxer. The link is in the show notes at daniellebean.com. Voxer is this really cool app where you can just leave a voicemail for somebody right from your phone. Just push a button and talk and super easy way to give me your feedback. Let me know in what ways are you learning to let go? In what ways are you practicing this fine art of letting go this fall season? I would love to hear from you. Hey, girlfriends, who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. 
So this week, I had the chance to talk with Letitia Adams, who is a blogger, a writer, a frequent guest on the Jennifer Fulweiler radio show. She's on Twitter. She's on Facebook. She's sharing her life as a mom and a very, very young grandma and a convert to the Catholic faith with all of us. And you're just going to love everything that she has to share. Take a listen. everyone. I am so happy to be welcoming here on Girlfriends Today, Letitia Adams. Letitia calls herself a hot mess convert who loves Jesus and has a scandalous sense of humor. If she's ever canonized, she will be the patron saint of people who can't stop cussing or smoking. She is a convert, student, waitress, the mother of four, stepmother of three, and the grandmother of two. Hi, Letitia. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're here with us. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I love your bio. Okay, so you're just, you're putting the cussing and smoking right out there. Um, but then also everything that you're doing and everyone that you're a mom and a grandma to, I, I love that. What a full life you are leading. Yes, it's very full. <laughs> I'm um, tired a lot of the times, but then I don't know, it's all, it's, it's all good. Like it, it is so um, fulfilling and I'm never bored. So. <laughs> oh, awesome. And now you, you didn't put it in your bio, but I want to get your blog out there. So what is the, what's the URL that people can check out your blog at? Um, it's www.lettheadams.com and that's L-E-T-I adams.com. Great. So yeah. Okay. Lettyadams.com. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes and people can check it out and they can see your gorgeous photo. You're like the hottest grandma. I. <laughs> People are just shocked that I'm a grandma, and I always say I started early, and then they're like, oh, well, then your son must have started early, and I mean, I I guess kind of, but he was 19, graduated from high school. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wish that him and his girlfriend had been married before they started having kids, Mm -hmm. but um, I see the joy that his children bring to him and that they bring to my life, and so I I think that they're going, she's starting RCIA this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're heading towards, you know, hopefully a valid Catholic marriage, which is the absolute best that I could have hoped for them. Absolutely. And, um, I think that he probably started at the right age. I, like I said, I wish that the, um, Catholic part had come first, but right. you know, God works everything out. <laughs> exactly. We don't always control all of those details. And that's part of being a mom and a grandma is exactly. kind of prayerfully guiding people in the right directions and then letting them work in God's time. It sounds like your son's on a good path and that you've got some grandkids to enjoy in the meantime. So I think yeah. that's great. Well, Letitia, I'm so excited that you're you're on here. I'm glad we connected mostly over Twitter, um, <laughs> mostly talking about the cussing thing, which is a very interesting conversation that we've been kind of watching online recently. Yeah. And um, But I, I love the way that you, you shared with me about being authentically yourself and being able to connect with other people that way. And I think that's what people really find if they go to your blog. Yeah, I tried my best to be as authentic. I used to be really scared of saying the wrong thing or Mm -hmm. because I, um, you know, I only had a 10th grade education. I got pregnant when I was 16. I um, have, you know, now I'm in college, but it's very difficult for me because I did not 
finish high school. I didn't do research papers in high school. I didn't go to college when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I became Catholic, I found that Catholics are very educated. They know a lot of history. They know a lot of philosophy. They know a lot of theology. They know a lot of big words. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I started reading Pope Benedict and um, Pope John Paul II, and um, I I learned by reading their documents with a dictionary and Google right next to me. So, I mean, <laughs> That's a my, great way to learn. <laughs> yeah, like I, my eyeballs almost fell out and then I would argue with my favorite, he's my favorite priest now, but um, he was a brand new priest at the time and he thought, you know, I'm a brand new priest, I've only been a priest for six months, how challenging can um, anyone be? Well, he got stuck with me, so he learned <laughs> not to ask God those questions, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I argued with him, and uh, he he was so good at teaching me. So um, I was very fearful of saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to say something in public that would um, mark me as a heretic. Sure, a right. Or, or, um, or that would lead people to believe the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I was very fearful at, of speaking like my authentic self for a long time. And um, through the support of Jennifer Fulweiler and Elizabeth Scalia, they both have, you know, they're not fearful of telling me when I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And they give me advice and they help me along the way. And they support me in being my authentic self in my writing. Mm-hmm. So um, it's gotten easier with those kinds of support. I still make a lot of mistakes, but yeah, it, it is easier. Well, we all do. And that I, I'd love, you know, as you're describing that and, you know, feeling so insecure about everything that you might write about the faith or about life in general, I think everybody experiences that as a writer, yeah. that no matter how learned you might be, there's still someone you're going to tick off that you never expected and, <laughs> uh, you know, or be accidentally heretical in some way with some casual thing you put out out there it's just part of the deal that you know it's that that's part of the dangerous thing about sharing online but I found that I personally have just grown a lot because of that if you can get if you can get past it and get past that fear of oh this person will say this this person will say this and just let yourself express yourself and be you know humbly open to the input of others I think that's a beautiful way to learn yeah, exactly. And I mean, Twitter is very difficult. It's 140 characters. I mean, our faith is 2000 something years old and it's beautiful and rich and has history. And there's church fathers who didn't agree with certain, you know, with each right. other on certain things. So, I mean, 140 characters is just not really enough for Catholics to, you know, be able to tell other Catholics, well, you're, I mean, unless it's something like, obviously, abortion. If someone's saying, I feel a woman has the right to choose abortion. Well, we know as Catholics that that is, you know, intrinsically evil. It's never accepted. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, other things, like, that have such nuance to them, I mean, it's 140 characters. We all have to think the best of the other person. Yeah, so true. So true. You should be the patron saint, not of the cussing and smoking, (laughs) but of Twitter. That's what we need. A patron saint of Twitter fixing things around there. I don't think I'm strong enough for that (laughs) i think saint paul should be because saint paul would just like i feel like saint paul would just you know have such strong words for all of us that are 
there. <laughs> he would he would lay it down, and we'd all go home with our tails between our legs. <laughs> okay, St. Paul, I was a jerk on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, I want to get to our regular questions that um, we ask everyone, Letitia, who dares to come on, girlfriends. They're not they're not tough, but I, I find them really interesting, and I love hearing the various answers that we get from women from all walks of life. So let's get started with the first one. Can you tell us about a time when you felt like you triumphed? You know, whether it was in your work or in your personal life, what was a triumph that you once experienced? Um, well, I would say that the one that stands out the most to me right now is um, one day I was sitting in Jennifer Fowler's living room, and I don't remember why I was there. I was there for a specific reason. I was asking her a question about something, and um, as I'm putting cream in my coffee, she looks at me and she told me, you are a good writer. You have a talent to write. If you could learn the crafts, because that's what every writer has to do. And she explained to me what learning how to write, the process of learning how to write was for her mm-hmm. and um, told me that I had a talent to be able to do this. Um, I think that that was the moment when I it all kind of clicked together for me. I've always loved to write. I always had journals. I always had lists. I always had, um, I love to read. So, mm-hmm. um, it was something that I always loved, but I never really believed like, you know, I thought of writers like Stephen King or, um, mm-hmm. Dean Koontz or, you know, these big, huge names. And I never really thought like I could possibly ever do anything like that. Right. Um, not even be a Catholic blogger, really. I thought I was just doing it for fun. It was just a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really for me was a moment of, um, triumph for the simple fact that I never, uh, you know, growing up being sexually abused as a child, um, not having a father, stuff like that. I always had low self-esteem. So that moment I could actually accept the compliment that someone gave me that she gave me and I could run with it. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn how to write, how to write better, how to write clearer, um, and, and write my memoir. That's what I'm going to do. And it was the first time when I felt, um, I felt good about myself and yeah. uh, being able to do something. Yeah, I love that. And then, you know, to to have a friendship with Jennifer Fulweiler, who, in you know, in her own right, has this, this you know, enormous personality and kind yeah. of brand online and is so well known as a writer, to hear those words from her, I'm sure, must have felt so good to you. And, exactly. and, I, and I love that it broadened your idea of what it means to be a writer, because I find that that's one of the things, and, and ultimately, this can apply to lots of different things in life, where people, they want something, they have a goal, but they put limits on themselves. Like they, they kind of put that, that idea in a box, like, and don't realize the the great breadth of different kinds of writers that there are. And of course you can be a writer, you know, and, and, you know, and people do it also with like um, fitness. And I had Christine Johnson on a little while ago talking about whether or not she dared to call herself a runner and, you know, just say what you are, say what you want to be and, you know, own that. (laughs) And then that's, yes. And that's, I think ultimately what leads to the greatest success among people um, that that will set those goals and not just part of it's scary because I think part of what keeps us from setting our goals is, you know, the fear of failure. And, yes. oh, if I say I want that thing and then I don't get that thing, then what? I'm a failure, you know? So um, it's, it's a little bit scary, but just say the thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then also like when it's Jennifer Fowler telling you that, I mean, her, her memoir raised the bar, you know? Yes. I mean, I feel like it is amazing writing like mm-hmm. um it just it's amazing like her and heather king are just like so phenomenal um absolutely 
Yeah. So to have her say that to me and to have her say, you can learn how to do this and do it better than I, your memoir can be better than mine was um, just a, it was a boost of confidence, but not only that, but I believed her because I have this friendship with her and, um, she is an authentic person, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I know that for, which is why we're friends, but right. <laughs> I mean, um, so I believed her and right. I was, you know, sometimes you just have to say that to someone else in a way that they believe you. Um, and, and that is actually being Christ to them because Christ says things to us all the time. And sometimes I, I like really don't believe him and it, and then I have to sit with myself and go, do I believe that he truly is always going to be there for me? And then I have to think about it and be like, okay, yes, I do believe it. And then keep going, you know? <laughs> right, right. I, I think yeah. that's really wonderful. Um, and so what a wonderful friend you have in Jennifer. And for those who want to check out Jennifer's memoir, it's called Something Other Than God, published by Ignatius Press. And we'll put a link in the show notes so you can see what is inspiring Letitia. <laughs> 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 and then decide what's going to inspire you and what you're going to set as a goal and actually verbalize so that you'll get there. That's great. And we're looking forward to what you're going to produce in the future, Letitia. Looking Me too. <laughs> yeah, you are a writer. That is great. Okay, so now moving on to the ju- juicier question is what I call this one. Can you tell us about a mistake that you once made, whether it was professionally or personally? And what did you learn from that mistake? Um, okay, so um, I... When I first I first converted, I was pretty zealous and I was pretty, um, y- you know, I was pretty finger wagging Catholic of, you know, because I had done all the wrong things. So I knew what all the wrong things were. And now I was determined to do all the right things. And mm-hmm. I had this book called The Catechism that gave me all the list of rights and wrongs. And, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was crazy. But um I saw someone uh, publicly making statements that were against church teaching, Mm -hmm. and um, I I went to my bishop about it, and I I still would do that, but I think that the biggest mistake that I made was, one, taking it personally and making it into a a me versus this other person situation, and the Uh biggest mistake was taking it public online and um, calling her out online and... Um, and using cuss words online and, um, and it just turned into something really ugly and it didn't have to be. And that was not a way to witness Christ. That was not a way to witness my faith. I mean, I, that was not a way to correct anyone. Um, and it still haunts me to this day. So if I could go back, I probably would still have gone to my bishop about the situation because I went to this person first and then gone to my bishop. But I would not have ever taken it publicly, and I never would have made it a you're a bad Catholic, I'm a good Catholic situation because I just <laughs> nothing comes of that ever. Right. Right. And um, there's plenty of times when I was being a Catholic, a bad Catholic by doing that in the first place, and it was hypocritical of my of myself, and um, it was a big mistake. And mm-hmm. it's one that there's really nothing I can ever do to fix. It's kind of like that thorn in your side that's just Ugh. there. And you're like, I know what I did was wrong. And um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's probably the biggest mistake. Yeah. I would never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's some good that's coming from it. You know, the fact that you've learned that and that it's kind of shaping and forming your interactions with other people. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's a very common story to be a, a zealous convert and even just a zealous, you know, whatever new thing you're doing. Because I know in my, I was, a, I'm a cradle Catholic, but when I first was married and having children, I was a zealous Catholic family life 
person, you know, because because there's one way to do that. And it was the way that I was doing it. And, you know, it's just kind of like and and part of it is you're motivated by a good thing. It's it's, some of it, of course, is pride. And that's not a good thing. But then part of it is that, you know, you you just feel like this is such a good thing. Like I need everybody to have this good thing, you know, and and I was the worst combination because I was a new convert mm-hmm. um, and it was a, a dramatic conversion. So I was a new convert after a dramatic conversion. I was a newlywed. Oh, wow. And, um, uh, and I was the person that I was married to was my childhood sweetheart. So we were like the worst. I was I was <laughs> the worst example of how to be a new Catholic because I was just on cloud nine. Yes. To the third power. Yeah. The yeah. perfect storm. <laughs> give me anything I want you know I mean and God did he pursued me he found me he you know I mean he did great things for me huge miracles and um and then I married my childhood sweetheart and I was a convert I mean I was just like God will do anything for me I mean I felt like the most special person ever and you know I mean I w- I am because God made me. Of course, but you at are. At the same time, He sure did let me fall off my high horse. And <laughs> it's okay because I know that that's mercy right there. That's right. That's right. And I love how humbly you share that story because that's something that we can all learn from. That um, idea of learning by you know sticking your big fat foot in your mouth and <laughs> so <laughs> no apologies ever work. No apology. No, oh. you know, like there's no mending that relationship now. Yeah. It's just it is what it is, and it's like. It's there every time. And so anytime that I'm online and I get started feeling a little stabby and ragey, Mm -hmm. you know, I usually walk away from those conversations because I know where it can go and I know that it's not going to be anywhere. That's why I like to reach out to people by email like I did for you when there's any kind of, especially Mm -hmm. on Twitter with, with like public speakers that I know love Christ and this church as much as I do. We're on the same side. Right. We might disagree about certain things here and there that mm-hmm. aren't, you know, like laid out in stone or whatever, but um, we're on the same side. And so I like to always follow up with an email and say, look, this is the thing, uh, you know, I know that you're doing good work for the church and I'm trying to do good work for the church and we both love Christ. And um, I just dis- disagree on this one thing. And, you know, it's probably personal for me, usually if I go that far. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I try to keep it that way because I never want to burn down those bridges again and I never want to have another relationship like this particular one that can never be mended until hopefully we're both on you know the other side of this life and Mm -hmm. God himself will have us be neighbors in heaven or something I don't know yeah (laughs) yeah and I I love that model that you are of that kind of communication in a conflict because a lot of us will just stay on Twitter and in 140 characters just you know (laughs) scream at the other person and tell them how wrong they are and that's actually not fruitful. <laughs> and no, sometimes I do find that myself and also with my kids as they're learning these things, I, I try to say, you know, what's your goal here? Is, is yeah. your goal to actually convert their heart? And do you think that tweet's going to do that? You know, that like <laughs> probably not. And what would be, you know, in my son who is um, 17, he's almost 18. He's such a great model of exactly that to me because the way he handles Facebook and he loves to talk about politics and different, you know, moral questions with his friends and whatnot. And of course they don't always agree you know he's a kid kid going to public high school and that's who he's hanging out with and yet when when the conversation gets ugly in the comment section he often will engage one of his peers 
personally, whether it's a phone call or if it's like using Facebook Messenger instead so that you can actually really connect and, you know, longer. And it's not like a public thing where you're trying to show off to the world how right you are. And I've really admired that in him. And and I saw that you do a very similar thing, that if there's something that feels personal and you feel your ire getting up, then maybe that's the time to either step away if you feel like you can't engage, you know, in a good way, but or say, hey, let's actually have a conversation about this. And I'm actually a human being and let's let's discuss it, you know. And I want to know that you're a human being because I do that too. You know, it's so Mm -hmm. easy to forget that there's people on the other side, even the people that have the most, I mean, you know, the thing that I hate about Twitter is just like any random weirdo can come into your, you know, conversation. But the thing is, is that they are still human beings and I still am the Catholic in this conversation. Sure. You know, um, and I have a personal relationship with Jesus, which means he's going to tell me later that I made the mistake of being snarky to this person. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how those things kind of stay on your conscience and pop up when you're yeah. thinking through your day later. Like, oh, yeah, that moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful story and really inspiring. I love how you shared all of that, Letitia. Um, let's, we've got time now to move on to your lightning round, which is a ton of fun. I love this part of Girlfriends because sometimes people go real long, but I like to keep it short answers and just move through and see what's on your mind and learn a little bit more about you. So if you're ready, we're just going to do 60 seconds of some fast, fun questions, and um, we'll find out a little bit more about Letitia Adams on the Girlfriends podcast. So here we go. All right, Letitia, what is one thing that has surprised you most about being a grandma? Um, how much I love these children. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what's something besides your phone that you never leave home without? Um, my, a book, like any book, my iPad or whatever book I'm reading. Okay. Um, what was the last Netflix you watched? Was it thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, it was thumbs up and it was uh, orange is the new black. And I know that's kind of scandalizing, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I, the last season actually made the whole thing for me. All right. Okay, great. I've heard mixed reviews, so I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm on the fence whether I'm going to try it. It's kind of like, ugh, but the last season was really well. Okay. Really well done. All right, great. Um, in a rare moment alone, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? Um, chocolate. Ah, common answer. All right, what was your favorite class in school? Um, English. Okay, coffee or tea? Coffee. Twitter or Facebook? Facebook. Okay, great. You survived. You did it. That was 60 seconds and you did great. And I I loved it. We cruised right through those. So perfect. Great job, Letitia. And we've enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about you. It was great being on with you. So fun. Yeah. Well, before we have to say goodbye, maybe um, you you mentioned that you're working on on your writing. Um, Is there anything else that's going on in your life that you're excited about that you want to give a shout out to? Um, I just started waiting tables again. I tried to stay at home and do the whole writing thing. Like I'm going to sit at my desk every day and I'm going to write and I'm going to be focused, but that does not work for me unless Mm -hmm. I'm out and among people. And so I got a job waiting tables, which is about as much around people as you can possibly be. Uh Uh And, um, I'm having a lot of fun with it and it's kind of scary because I've been in this Catholic bubble for six years and so kind of being out in public where people you know are not not Catholic (laughs) it's kind of shocking to my system but it's nice and um and uh I'm really enjoying it oh that's great and you know as a waitress myself I'm not now but I have been throughout my married life on and off you know um part-time filling in the gaps in our income and I always did love that aspect that you meet 
the world. I mean, (laughs) and not just with the people that come in, the staff. I mean, gosh. (laughs) Exactly. And it's so different, you know, than being around Catholics. Like, no Mm -hmm. one's talking about the rosary. No one's arguing about, do you hold hands during the Our Father? Like, no one (laughs) at at my restaurant cares about these things. And so it's different to, I think it boosts my mind. Like, my brain starts working in different ways. You know, it's not in the same, like, Let's talk about this, our father handholding thing again for the 40 millionth time. Right. Um, yeah. You know, so it's kind of, it's interesting and it's scary all at the same time. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. I Like I said on Jennifer Fuller's show a couple of weeks ago, I don't think that you can evangelize a culture that you're not going to encounter. Mm-hmm. So I got out there and I'm encountering it and it's kind of scary and the world does need Jesus. I'm sure of that. <laughs> right. You find that out for sure. <laughs> yeah. Very quickly. Um, and, and people are actually seeking him. I mean, we might not see that, but that's what, and they might not see that, but being someone who's been where they are and where I am now, I know that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so it's just trying to, you know, be nice. Like when people say, <laughs> you know, you're the nicest Catholic I've ever met to me, that means that I'm doing what God's asking me to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that people are saying that. And I I think you are one of the nice Catholics I know, Letitia. I have really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for sharing so openly, you know, the gifts that God gave you and just sharing who you are, because that is such a beautiful, valuable gift. And I I love how openly and generously you're giving of yourself to the world in all of your different work, whether it's waiting tables or writing your memoir or, you know, blogging or on Twitter. I love it. Yeah, thanks for all you do, Letitia. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I have to. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed getting to know Letitia Adams and hearing from her a little bit. She's got a really unique perspective, and she's just so full of joy that I love every chance I get to talk with her or connect with her online. And you can connect with her online, too, at Letty, L-E-T-I. Adams, A-D-A-M-S dot com. So check it out. Okay, so this is the point in the show where I generally like to share a little feedback with you. And honestly, I'm a mess. And I don't know where I'm at with regard to receiving voice feedback or emails. And I just haven't gotten there yet today, but I had to get this podcast out. So I think I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit here and just go right into thanking our newest supporter on Patreon. Jessica, I want to thank Jessica this week for supporting the Girlfriends podcast at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. And you can go there too to find out how you can encourage and support the production of this podcast. If you appreciate what I do here... I hope that you'll consider making the move that Jessica did, which is super easy to do. I do it for other podcasts that I appreciate and I want to encourage the production of. And you go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends and you sign up for an easy account and you can pledge as little as a dollar per episode. Really, for me, that is so simple for me to do. It's a way that I can support podcasts that I like and that I want people to continue making, that I appreciate the time and effort that they put into producing podcasts that I enjoy. 
And I know from being a podcaster myself, the, the amount of work that goes into it and how motivating that can be to know that there are people who are willing to put even just a little bit of financial support behind you. And you can set a monthly limit so you never break your budget with it and you could cancel at any time. It's just a really nice way for me to know and be encouraged by the fact that people are listening and they want to support what I'm doing here at Girlfriend. So again, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash girlfriends. You can get all the details. If you pledge more than just a dollar per episode, there are different kinds of bonuses and benefits that you can qualify for. So check it out there at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. Thanks so much. If you had feedback that you want to share about today's topic or any other topic that we've touched upon here at Girlfriends, you can always email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on social media, facebook.com slash daniellebean. I'm daniellebean on Instagram and Twitter as well, so you can find me easily there. You can send me a Voxer or you can go to daniellebean.com and leave me that voice feedback. Also, I want to encourage you to pray for the people who listen to this podcast. I hear from people all the time. Sometimes they ask me to keep their messages private, but... I really feel like there's a little bit of a community here, even just in our connection through the things that we share here at Girlfriends and that people write to me and ask me to pray for. So if you're inclined, and I do pray for the people who listen to this podcast every week, I do. And I'm so grateful for your presence here and your participation in what we're doing here at Girlfriends. But I want to encourage you also to pray for the other people who are listening. In particular, I have a friend who I don't even know if she listens to the podcast, but she's really struggling this week. Her name is Nancy. She's newly in unexpectedly pregnant and there are some health issues involved and she's an older mom this time around and just filled with anxiety with regard to this new pregnancy. So please, I just want to ask you as a favor to me, if you would pray for Nancy and ask God to give her the peace that he has for her, that I know he wants for her, that he wants to give her in her heart because she's just suffering so much anxiety right now that I'm hoping that God can give her peace and that she can find joy in this new change, this transition, this letting go of what she thought was going to be in her life. So please do pray for Nancy and let me know the ways in which we can pray for you. I'd be glad to share your prayer requests here at this point in the show in future episodes of Girlfriends. So just email me danielle at daniellebean.com or send me a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. And thank you, as always, just for being here. Your presence means so much. When you subscribe at iTunes, it means so much to me. I feel connected to you. I know that you're listening, and it's so important to me to know that I know your time is valuable, but you're choosing to spend some of it right here with me every week. That just means the world to me. So thank you so much for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day, and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.